It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, the last episode that I uh, put out, I talked about the idea of re- sort of giving fishes something that's equivalent to the natural habitat uh, conditions that they came from in the wild, uh, even though they're captive bred. And it kind of resonated with a few of you. It's something I've talked about multiple times over the years, but um, I got a lot of questions this time, immediate DMs on Instagram and Facebook and so forth, asking about it and asked me to expand on this a little bit more. So let's talk about it. As a practitioner of the natural botanical method aquarium, I'm a pretty vocal compo- you know, proponent of creating more naturally functioning habitats for our fishes. I'm a big believer that our fishes, which have evolved over eons to live in specific types of environmental conditions, will ultimately do best in captivity when provided with those conditions. This is not a revolutionary concept, but it's sort of fallen by the wayside in recent years. And I remember talking of a couple of years back with our friend Mike Tucanardi on the tent. And Mike mentioned that at least initially, you don't need to give your newly imported fishes. He works with imported wild fishes. You don't need to give them the exact environmental conditions that they came from in order to be successful with them. Mike indicated that it's far more important initially to provide clean, high-quality water as most fishes from soft acidic blackwater habitats simply don't have the resistance to pathogens. That's a big plus. The idea being that although tannins in the water can help during the earliest phases of quarantine and acclimation, it's more important to offer high quality water than the exact replication of their wild habitats. I got that. However, once acclimated, Mike pointed out the manifold advantage of keeping fishes in water conditions which resemble those found in their natural environments. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, right? Get them through the tough phases and then gradually acclimate them back to the conditions that they evolved under for centuries. Now, as you know, I've always been sort of a fan of readapting or repatriating even captive bred specimens of all sorts of fishes like, you know, uh, blackwater uh, origin, kerosene, cichlids, etc. to more natural conditions. Well, natural from perhaps a few dozen generations back anyhow. I'm of the opinion that, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a word for it, even domesticated fishes can benefit from providing them with conditions more reminiscent of those from natural botanical habitats or natural habitats, I'm sorry, from which they originated. I just think there's something there. Although I'm not a geneticist or a biological ethicist, I'll never buy into the thought that a few dozen captive generations will erase millions of years of evolutionary adaptation to specific habitats and that readapting them to these conditions is somehow detrimental to them. Something just seems off about that thinking. I just, I don't know, I can't get behind that. Now, even more compelling proof of that it's not so cut and dry is that many of the recommended best practices of breeding many so-called adaptable species are to do things like drop water temperatures, adjust lighting, or perform water exchanges with, you know, peat-influenced water, etc. Stuff intended to mimic the conditions found in the natural habitats of these fishes. I mean, WTF, right? Like, what, what, how are we coming up with this? 
like only give the fishes their natural conditions when we're trying to, to breed them, really? That mindset just seems a little bit odd to me. Of course, there are some fishes for which we don't really make any arguments against providing them with natural type environmental conditions right from the get-go, like African Rift Lake cichlids. I find this fascinating from a hobby philosopher standpoint. Like, it's a given, right? And then there's those fishes which we have for various reasons to minimize or prevent or minimize or prevent the occurrence of diseases. It's fishes that we've arbitrarily decided to manipulate their environment deliberately away from the natural characteristics under which they've evolved for specific reasons. For example, adding salt to the water for fishes that are typically not known to come from brackish water habitats. Examples, annual killifishes like Nothobranchius, which in many cases don't come from brackish environments naturally. Yet we dutifully add salt to their water as a standard practice. The adaptation of a teaspoon of salt per gallon or so uh, you know, is done for prophylactic reasons rather than what's convenient you know, for us or rather a unique case, I suppose. But again, something that I find fascinating to look at objectively. It's simply the easiest way to prevent parasitic diseases in these fishes. Or are there other ways which don't require such dramatic environmental manipulations like is it that difficult to eliminate possible pathogens in their aquarium while keeping them in water conditions which are more reminiscent of that which they come from naturally? I'm just not convinced that it is. And then, of course, there are those unexpected populations of fishes, like various danios and gold tetras, for example, which are, are found in mildly brackish conditions. Compelling, interesting, yet we can't conclude that all gold tetras will benefit from salt in their water, can we? Well, no, of course not. And as we evolve to a more sustainable hobby with greater emphasis on captive bred or carefully sourced wild fishes, and as more wild habitats are damaged or even lost, will we also lose valuable data about the wild habitats of these fishes that we love so much? Data which will simply make the default for many fishes to be, you know, tap water? I hope not. It is possible, though, that we've been so good at domesticating our fishes to our easier-to-provide tap water conditions and our fish is so adaptable to them that the desire to repatriate them to the conditions under which they've evolved is really more of a niche thing for geeky hobbyists as opposed to a necessary-for-success thing, is it? I mean, how many discus are now kept and bred exclusively in hard and alkaline water, markedly different than the soft, acidic, blackwater environmental conditions under which they've evolved for eons? Am I just being a dreamer here postulating without hard data that somehow the fishes are missing something when we keep and breed them in conditions so vastly different than the wild, what, you know, what the wild populations come from? Did the same genetics which dictate the color patterns and fin morphology also somehow cancel out the fish's programming which allows them to be healthiest in their original native conditions? How do we reconcile this concept? Do we? In the end, there are a lot of variables in the equation, but I think that the nothos and discus discussion is an example of fishes which could perhaps benefit from experimenting with, you know, throwback conditions. I'm by no means anything close to an expert on either one of these fishes, and my opinions are just that, opinions. Commercially, it may not be practical to do this, but for the hobbyists with time, resources, and inclination, it would be interesting to see where it takes you. Like, would the same strain kept in both brackish and pure freshwater habitats display different traits or health characteristics? Would there even be any marked differences between specimens of certain fishes kept under natural versus domesticated conditions? Would they show up immediately or would it be evident only after several generations? Again, I think about brackish water fishes and the difficulty of tracing your specimens to their natural source, which makes all this stuff that much more challenging and intriguing. I look forward to many more of these types of experiments, bringing natural conditions to domesticated fishes and perhaps maybe unlocking some more secrets or Perhaps simply acknowledging what we all know. 
that there is truly no place like home. So bring it on home. (laughs) Anyway, I hope that little explanation helped you. Stay curious, stay observant, stay diligent, stay adventurous, stay resourceful, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tent and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.